Hashtag murder may contain explicit and disturbing material and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Hashtag Murder. Woo! I'm Scar. And I'm Alex. And we're millennials who love murder. And not mornings. <laughs> it's so early. It's very early. It's early again on a Sunday. But you know, what we also love is dance parties. Um, you, you love a dance party. <laughs> I don't love a dance party. Uh, so last night, uh, Dustin and I were in a dance competition. Oh, Yeah. It was actually in your neck of the woods. It was over here in uh, West Nasty. West Nasty. Yeah. Um, there was five teams and okay. we came, well, okay. I don't know if we actually came in third. I'm going to say we came in third. Okay. Because uh, they didn't announce third place, but um, guess who won? Harley and Clinton. Yes. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, they did a dance to um, "Summertime" and "Summertime." It was good, um, but I was biased and I thought we were better. I got to tie oh. Dustin up and then like knock him over with my ass. <laughs> That's funny. That's <laughs> At the really very funny. end. Uh, but it was a good time and we had a lot of fun. Uh, and then out or afterward, we went to um, Bohemian Bowl. Mm. We treated ourselves to those uh, fried macaroni bite things. Ooh, yes. Super good. Um, so, yeah, it was a good time. Nice. Uh, our first dance competition. You know, Clinton and Harley are going to be bragging for weeks that they beat you. Maybe even years. Yeah. It's, it might last that long. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> going to keep talking about it. Yeah. Oh, man. And Brayden was there and Mavi. Oh, I know. Mavi. They were the only two children there, uh, which was funny. And Dustin took Maverick out on the dance floor. <gasps> I know. Oh. It was a lot of fun. It was a good time. Um, But yeah, I'm sure bragging rights are in place for several months to come. Yes. <laughs> but how was your weekend? Or how's it been? Um, it's been fine. George isn't doing so good, so we just kind of, kind of spending time with George and yeah. you know walking him and stuff like that. Yeah, he's choosing. He's refusing to lay in his bed. He's laying outside of the bed. He's been doing that lately, <laughs> or like he'll choose to sleep on like the cold linoleum, whatever the fuck that is outside of the cheek. Did Candace just fart? <laughs> it sounded like a cat fart. Did you just fart, young lady? <laughs> She might have. She had two breakfasts this morning because yeah. I fed her. And then Whitney also sprinkled in some more food because she thought it was just Katniss's leftover dinner. And I was like, no, Katniss does not let food sit overnight. Yeah, she's already she's already eaten. Uh, but then it was time for second breakfast. Yeah, and she was like, Meow. you guys don't love me. Feed me. I know. Oh, oh man. Well, um... Today is our third installment of Felonious Fathers. Yes. Still working on the fourth installment because it's massive. It's a couple episodes. <laughs> yeah, at least two. I might knock them down into two. We'll mm -hmm. see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but today, for our third installment, we're going to talk about BTK. Very very uh huge requested episode yes we've had several requests these this man is insane he is um and he's deranged yes he's also stupid and i hate him i mean i hate all serial killers but like i hate this man i i hate him because he thinks that he's smarter than everybody else and he's the dumbest motherfucker yeah caught for like the dumbest things ever yes which i did not know <laughs> and so i was watching i watched like four or five documentaries on him uh, but the one that i watched where he gets caught i was like i couldn't believe it it's so like, stupid how, how dumb are you <laughs> It's so stupid, um, but I'm ready to uh, hear about that. But first, we need to talk about the sad part, um, which is the murders. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just going to we're gonna jump right into it. Um, so this week, we're in Wichita, Kansas. Woo! Yay. Um, and this is very convoluted. So strap in. Hold on to your hats, butts. Tits. <laughs> Ass. Uh, oh, uh, real quick. Um, I was watching a documentary on this and there was a commercial for the army and it reminded me of that one time that I accidentally joined the army. <laughs> I don't think you can accidentally join the army. I did. I thought I was joining the National Guard. I didn't know it was the Army National Guard. I didn't know I had a choice. <laughs> and I just kind of went with it. Good job. Thanks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, I was in for five and a half years, though. It was a good time. Um, hashtag army strong. Hashtag be all you can be. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, okay, so now it's time to get real sad and real serious. Um, and I'm just going to say off the top, all of these crimes were sexually motivated and that semen was found at several of the crime scenes. Ew. I just don't feel like repeating that over and over again. Ew. Yeah. Big ick. Gross. Um, so just keep that in mind or don't, you know. Maybe don't. Yeah. Um, and he also took Polaroid photos of most of his victims after their deaths. And I also don't feel like repeating that. Um, but just know that it happened. And he also had a bizarre sexual fascination with rope. Oh, I remember seeing that in a Mind Hunter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in Mind Oh, yeah, they, he like, was. They, like, at covering him, and then yeah. they, they didn't. And they never got there. No. Hmm. <laughs> That's annoying. Uh, all right, so here we go. So it's January 15th, 1974. We're at the Otero family home. And between 7 and 7.30 a.m., a man cut the phone lines, went in through the back door of the house, and took control of the family. First thing in the morning? Yeah. Yeah, started out real early here. Um, So he brutally murdered Mr. Otero, Mrs. Otero, their youngest son, and their youngest daughter. Joseph Otero, the father, had been suffocated by a plastic bag, and he was 38 years old. His wife, Julia, was strangled with a rope. She was 33. Their son, Joseph Jr., a.k.a. Joey, was also suffocated with a bag and was nine. And their daughter, Josephine, a.k.a. Josie, was hung with a rope from a pipe in the basement and she was 11. So I love all the four, here, though. I know, Joey and Josie. It's and both of them cute. are named and after Julia. And oh, yeah. Because Josephine is the female version of Joseph. Yeah, that's really sweet. Um, So this happened at their home in Wichita at 803 North Edgemore Street. Fortunately, the three oldest Otero children, Charlie, Carmen, and Danny, were off at school that day. Charlie, the oldest child, later recounts that his family was full of love and that Joseph Sr. just adored his mother, Julia. So it sounds like they had a really wonderful family and real close-knit and tight. Charlie was 15 at the time and he says that he had a huge test at school that day so he'd walked home in the cold and snowy weather and walked to the backyard of their home um he goes on to say that the family dog named lucky cute I know. Um, So Lucky was alone in the backyard, and he thought that was super unusual. And then Carmen and Daniel, his younger brother and sister, had already been home um, from school and had discovered the gruesome scene of their parents' murders. Imagine going to school and then coming home, like, just expecting to, like, have a snack and do your homework, and then you just find your (sighs) Your parents dead. I know. And your two siblings. Yeah. Well, they didn't know about, they did not find them, which is good. Mm -hmm. The police did later. Um, oh God, it's so sad. Um, so authorities searched their home and then later found Joey and Josie. Um, and then they notified the remaining Otero children that their younger brother and sister had also been murdered, which is terrifying and tragic and absolutely heartbreaking. So BTK is our perp here. Um, he later recounts that he had been stalking Julia and she was supposed to be the only victim. And he does this a couple times where he has one victim planned and then ends up killing more people. How do you stalk somebody and, like, get a feel for their routine and then accidentally break in when, the like, half the family is still home? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know. So, the authorities think that the Otero family murder is a one-off, but, oh my, how they would be wrong. So, April 4th, 1974, Catherine Doreen Bright, who was 21, was stabbed repeatedly with a knife in the stomach area. Catherine's body was found in her own home, and she was discovered holding on to her phone receiver like the corded phones yes so she was holding on to the hand part thing but she couldn't make a call because the jack had been unplugged which is super sad that she was literally found holding on to that. Mm-hmm. BTK went after Catherine because of her beauty. She was gorgeous. All of his murder victims are gorgeous human beings. And he looks like a disgusting oh. moldy toenail. Yeah, moldy toenail. Uh, we're going to get to it. Um, so he had stalked her for a few months and learned her routine and saw that she was always home around the same time in the afternoon. Now, Catherine lived alone, but she had a brother named Kevin who was 19, and he had stayed the night with Catherine on April 3rd so that they could go shopping together the next day on April 4th. So while Catherine and Kevin were out shopping, BTK entered their home, her home, and waited. And BTK was not expecting Kevin to be with Catherine. So BTK tied up both of them with rope, 
and put them in separate rooms. Kevin had broken loose and actually started fighting with BTK and was trying to get the gun away from him. And BTK actually shot Kevin in the head. For trying to protect his sister. Yeah, shot him in the head. So they fight some more and BTK shoots Kevin again and thinks that he's dead, which... If you shoot him twice. Shot him twice. One was in the head. I would assume that he's dead too. Yeah. So BTK leaves Kevin and goes back to Catherine. And while he's with Catherine, he hears the front door swing open and Kevin books it. He books it out of the house through the neighborhood. Yeah, trying to get help. Yeah. And this is whenever BTK panics and stabs Catherine. And this is the only time that he will have murdered by knife um, because he was panicking. All All about the rope and strength. Yeah. But he was panicking and wanted to get it done quickly. So Kevin later gave BTK's description to a sketch artist, and the detectives got a pretty accurate description of the man who murdered Catherine. So initially, detectives didn't think the Otero family and Catherine's murders were linked due to the vastly different crime scenes and methods of murder, Mm -hmm. because he murdered Catherine real quick, um, and the others, it seemed like he was in the house for quite some time. So after Catherine's murder, late in 1974, detectives make an arrest for the Otero family murders, and it's not BTK. And this makes BTK super mad. So he writes into the Wichita Eagle, the local newspaper, instructing them to go find this specific engineering book on the second floor at the local library and that they will find a letter inside of this book. <sighs> so, uh, why, why do we have to make it? Why do we have to do that? Just I don't know. He's like making up a game. Puzzles. He's like trying to do like Zodiac killer shit. Yes. And you're not smart oh. enough to do that. No, this man, everything that he does is ripped off of someone else who's already done it before him. Oh, okay. So everything he just he wants does. to be the most prolific. Uh-huh. Ever. Yeah. Um, it's so strange. It's so weird. So detectives locate this book and they find the letter. And the letter basically says, I did this, not these people you have in custody. And he explains in exceptional detail all of the horrific intricacies of the Otero family murders and how he would like to be referred to as btk find them torture them kill them and he needs to get the credit for this and needs to get all the attention on him also you can't just go naming yourself i mean he did and that's what people called him but like that's the media's job yeah and, and also like um i don't know maybe just not could you like <laughs> and btk is stupid that's a stupid nickname that's dumb also i feel like he sh- he was probably one of those kids that was like a boy scout and like wanted all the badges and all the glory that's the vibe he gives me oh yeah oh mm-hmm. we'll we'll get to it we'll get there um okay so three years passed since Catherine bright's murder and on march 17th 1977 24 year old single mother shirley ruth vianne was strangled with a rope at her home at 1311 hydraulic street in wichita and he actually hadn't planned on killing shirley specifically he had gone to two other houses before calling them quote project green and quote project blackout he named his victims projects or his potential victims those are not projects those are people yeah and oh my god it's so twisted so while he was stalking or staking out the home he just so happened to see a little boy named steve relford riding his bike outside and naturally assumed that his mother would be home so he'd already had this plan to murder someone um and i guess these other projects weren't home so here's his opportunity with this little boy so he shows the little boy a picture and asks the boy if he knows who this person is and the little boy says no and the man follows follows the boy back home to his home or follows the boy back to his home and this is where the horrific events begin btk is wearing a business casual type outfit um and poses as a detective this time so he's always he always has a uh, god damn it he's like a kid playing like make-believe yes yeah so he's making up all of these scenarios basically um so he knocks on the door and steve lets him in and then btk proceeds to lock the little boy and his other two siblings in the bathroom (sighs) the little boy in the bathroom peeks out of a crack in the door and sees btk bind his mother with rope and start torturing her and eventually murders her by wrapping a bag over her head tied with a nightgown into a clover knot which is a very hard knot to get undone um he's way into knots um, and the clover knot is known to be a symbol of good luck. Oh, I knew he gave me Boy Scout energy with his knots. Yeah. 
Ugh. And the kids saw this happen. All through, the, yeah. And their mom was just getting tortured and murdered while they're stuck in the bathroom. We can't do anything. Yeah. And even if, I mean, they were too young to even do anything if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so back to this Project Blackout. BTK was at the Blackout bar, and he'd followed a young lady named Cheryl home. Cheryl was actually neighbors with Shirley Vianne, and Cheryl had a four-year-old son, and when she arrived home from work, police were surrounding the neighborhood, and Cheryl was notified by police that she was probably the intended victim. Now, I'm not sure how they would have any way of knowing this right then, so maybe they told them that told her this later on. Yeah, I don't think maybe. they would have known. Yeah, um, so maybe was after all these projects had been released, but I figured I'd just throw that in there. So, nine months later, on December 8th, 1977, 25-year-old Nancy Jo Fox was strangled by a belt. Nancy, also gorgeous, BTK stalked her at her job at a jewelry store at the mall and would even interact with her and, like, have conversations with her, which is creepy. Yeah, like, you have... Like, she's just doing her job and being polite to this, you know, guy posing as someone that's probably going to buy something. And yeah. little does she know he's planning on killing her. Yeah. Oh, man. Um. So he was waiting for her whenever she got home from work one night. Nancy walked in and they spoke to one another for a while. And towards the end of the conversation, whenever things started to go south, Nancy says, quote, let's just get this over with so I can call the police, end quote. So, like, she knew what his intentions were, which is so sad Mm -hmm. that she already knew what was coming. So, BTK took Nancy to the bedroom and starts mentally torturing her, and then he proceeds to murder Nancy. And he starts going through all of her belongings and takes a slip and stockings as a trophy. That's disgusting. (sighs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So after this murder, BTK really wants his recognition. So he calls into the police department before he goes to work and we'll find out where he works a little bit later on. Okay. Um, and he explains to the dispatcher that there is a murder victim, Nancy, at 843 South Pershing and BTK hangs up the phone, which he's like super arrogant about it. And he still didn't get caught yet. Um, But now his voice is on a recording, which doesn't really help, I guess. Like, I thought maybe, or I think they thought that maybe it would help. Um, I think today probably it would help um, because you can identify different things in people's, like, voices. um, Yeah. Like, with technology and stuff. But back then, probably not. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and at this point, the term serial killer had not been created yet. And then I put throwback to Ed Kemper, which I thought we would have already covered by now. (laughs) Not yet. Yeah, not yet. We do have the notes typed up, but not yet. So... BTK writes a poem to Cake TV. (laughs) It's called Cake, Cake. which reminds me of um, Bob's Burgers. Cake is the patty, Mm -hmm. the the patty daddies. Patty daddies. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So he writes his poem into Cake TV called Shirley Locks and another called Oh Death to Nancy. And he ends it with, quote, how many people do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper? Signed, BTK, end quote. And at this point, he's murdered seven people. Uh, for that, I just wouldn't put him in the paper at all. Yeah, and he's begging for some sort of recognition. I hate this man. I hate this man so much. Oh, he's so gross. So this is whenever police finally announce that there is a killer on the loose and BTK is thrilled. I'm sure. He is super excited that he's finally get the, getting the recognition that he thinks he deserves. So, in 1978, detectives send off this letter, and this is the letter where BTK states that he looks up to other murderers like H.H. Holmes, Son of Sam, and Jack the Ripper. Those are his role models. That's not great. No. So the letter that was written to Cake TV, they send it off to see if they can get any sort of forensics off of it from Xerox because this letter is a copy of a copy of a copy and maybe the Xerox company can give them some sort of insight on where it was copied. So forensics come back and they conclude that this note had been copied from a public use copy machine and it could have only been one of two machines. That's impressive. I know. Good job, Xerox. So it was either the one that was in the basement of Wichita State University or the other one that was from the second floor of the library, which is where the first Otero letter was found. I'm thinking it was probably that one. Yeah. So that they know exactly where these printers are. I know. 
know. I, I guess there's some sort of code. Serial number? I guess so. But how would you know that from a piece of paper? I have no idea. I don't know. So Science. weird. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess it was stored. Could have been stored in it? In the computer mm. of the copy machine? I don't fucking know. Um. All right. So anyways, BTK had another intended victim two years after Nancy in 1979. And it was 63-year-old Anna Williams. An old lady? Yeah. Well, we're, we'll get to the change up here. So he had stalked her extensively and waited and waited for her to arrive home from a friend's house. And then he got too impatient, so he left and never went back. And he later says that, that this made him absolutely livid. So good on you, Anna, for staying out and partying all night. At 63 At years 63. old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So, in 1979, BTK kind of vanishes, um, and the public isn't super alarmed anymore. They're assuming he's either dead or in jail or has moved to a different part of the country, but later we'll find out why this happens, why there's a break in the... In the murders. Yeah. So, on April 27th, 1985, almost eight years after murdering Nancy, BTK murders 53-year-old widow Maureen Wallace Hedge. Maureen's phone line had been cut, and she was strangled by BTK. BTK's own two hands. And later we'll find out that Maureen was a neighbor who lived on the same street as BTK. And he would regularly take walks and pass her and say, hey, or hi. Isn't that? Neighborship. Yes. That's so creepy. It's also like, that's not smart. Don't murder somebody that lives on your street. I know. I really don't know how he wasn't caught after this one. Oh my God. So he'd broken into Maureen's home and waited around in her closet. And he waited a super long long time for Maureen to get home as she was out on a date and her date hung around the house until like one in the morning so if the date would have just maybe stayed the night maybe this wouldn't have happened so BTK waited for him to leave and this is whenever he murders her so Maureen's body was found May 5th of that same year. He had killed her at her home and then took her body back to his church. Church? Yes. And photographed the body in various bondage positions. Um, he always knew he'd eventually bring a victim to his church and he'd actually stored away supplies there, like in a filing cabinet, like a murder uh, kit in his a, filing a cabinet. A murder kit at the church. Yep. <laughs> It's just, oh, it's so crazy. So he dumps Maureen's body in a ditch on the side of the road on East 53rd Street North. Now, what led up to this one is crazy. It's almost been a decade since he's murdered anyone. And by this time, BTK has had two children, a baby girl and a baby boy named Brian and Carrie. Oh, so he couldn't go out murdering people because he had to be a dad. Yeah. So he's spending time with his family and Brian at this point is now old enough to be in the Boy Scouts where BTK is a Boy Scout leader. Oh, I knew the knots had something to do with that. Yeah, it's so disgusting. I can't. Um, So the night that Maureen was murdered, he was actually at a Boy Scout meeting with his son, got an urge to murder, left, went to a local bowling alley, had a beer, called a cab to take him home, went to Maureen's house instead, and then went on to murder her. How do you go from hosting a Boy Scout troop meeting, whatever the fuck they're called, Yeah, to be like, mm, you know what, I just have this urge to uh, kill somebody. Yeah. I'm gonna go have a beer and think about it. I, uh, I hate him. I hate him so much. Uh, so weird. So September 16th, 1986, Vicki Lynn Weggerly was strangled by a pair of nylon stockings. BTK often saw her driving by and was intrigued by her. He would also walk past the Weggerly home and would listen to Vicky play the piano. Like standing outside the just, window. Like listening staring, to her. Just staring. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So he stalked her and showed up at her house around 10 a.m. on September 16th, dressed as a telephone inspector, saying that he needed to repair her phone lines. So he went from policeman to, to detective to AT&T. telephone. <laughs> Tell yeah. Uh, God. And her two-year-old son was playing in the front room of the house whenever he showed up. So Vicky informed the intruder that her husband would be home soon, but BTK didn't mind this and was real quick about everything. Vicky put up a fight and refused to be tied up, so this is whenever BTK strangles her and quickly leaves the home, uh, which was not his plan. He likes to spend time. Yeah, he likes to hang out. Yeah. 
So Vicky's husband returns to their home on West 13th Street and finds his wife's body tucked under the bed with a noose tied around her neck. And he also noticed that Vicky's car was missing. And the husband actually saw the car driving away from the home, but did not know who the driver was, which is if he would have just been home like 10 minutes sooner, he maybe could have helped his wife. Or he would have been dead, too. Or, yeah. Um, so, so this was crazy. The police really thought that Vicky's husband had murdered her and that BTK was not tied to this murder at all, which is kind of... Well, I mean, it makes sense. It's usually the husband did it. Yeah, but also there's been eight other murders. Like with the uh, the other one, uh, Maureen, if he was waiting on her date to leave, like they probably thought the date did it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ugh, I hate it. So, yeah, so they didn't think that he was tied to this at all. And BTK referred to Vicky murder as project pj what is pj i don't know i i tried to find it and maybe i did find it and i just can't remember it (laughs) (laughs) i don't know um okay so this is super weird in 1988 there was a murder of three members of the fager family in wichita melvin philip fager the father kelly who was 16 and sherry who was nine who were two of his daughters detectives received a letter from btk saying that he can't take credit for these murders but but that he admired the actual killer's work, which is disgusting. What? Yeah. Um, they were actually murdered by someone they had hired to build a sunroom in their home named William Butterworth, um, who is also a piece of human garbage. And I kind of like dived into that case as well. It was pretty crazy. So we may have to cover that as well. But they thought for sure this was BTK. Um, but it wasn't. And yeah, that's he, his MO. And they let him know, or he wrote that letter letting them know that it was not him. How sweet of him. Yeah. Uh, so I believe this is the last one. So four more years pass since Maureen's murder. And on January 19th, 1991, Dolores Erlene Johnson Davis was strangled by a pair of pantyhose. Her body was found under a bridge just outside of town. Her body was out there for a few days before she was found. And she was described as a wonderful and caring person. And she went by D. That's cute. I know. Uh, and she was also beautiful. Oh, and I did watch a little side documentary where her son spoke and it was just it was heartbreaking it was so sad so btk had seen her outside in her yard and he knew that she was going to be the next victim also at this point btk has moved to older women as they were easier targets which he later explains and he's getting older so he's probably not as you know strong as he used to be exactly because we're in the 90s now Mm -hmm. started in the 70s it's crazy um dolores had a date earlier that night and she'd gone home and went to bed around 10 p.m and sometime before midnight btk threw a cinder block through her window and she actually walked outside with a shotgun like she was ready to take this person down she's like i'm gonna get your ass yeah uh so btk assaults her and enters the home and ties dolores up and he strangled her also with her own pantyhose in her bedroom he then put her body in the trunk of her own car and then dumped her body under a nearby bridge her boyfriend filed a missing persons report the next morning also during dolores's murder he was with his son this time at a boy scout's camping trip got the urge to kill left the camp changed his clothes murdered dolores changed back and then went back to the camp how do you get like what is it about boy scouts that gives you the urge to murder <sighs> maybe you, you can't get a badge for that yeah and this is really gross but maybe it's because he's surrounded by little boys maybe or like <sighs> I don't know, rope, knots. Yeah, or he's in like a position of power. Maybe. I don't know. It's so gross. It's so disgusting. Uh, okay, so now we're going to flash forward to 2004 when BTK most certainly hasn't been forgotten, but now all of the murders are cold cases. The newspaper people at the Wichita Eagle get a letter from a Bill Thomas Kilman, BTK. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stating that on September 16th, 1986, he'd strangled Vicky Lynn Weggerly with a pair of nylon stockings. You can take a better last name than Kill Man. I know. This man is so stupid. Oh my god. So, also in this package were photos of the crime scene and a copy of her driver's license, which had been stolen at the time of the murder. So, oh, also DNA collected from under Vicky's fingernails had given detectives new evidence. And now they have these letters and maybe things will start falling into place. Sweet. Yeah. So, then... BTK sends a word search of sorts to the news station, and it had random words in it like victim, follow, insurance man, ruse, lost pet, serviceman, telephone, address. Like, all these words were in this word search. Like, 
what? He's trying to be cool like the Zodiac Killer was by sending that like puzzle. Yes. Stuff, but he's not cool. He's just an idiot. He's just a moron. So police finally announce a tip line. And at this point, it's been 30 years since the Otero family murders, but they got thousands of phone calls from literally all over the country well everybody thinks that they know yeah who it is. oh yeah but isn't that funny like still like thousands 30, of people 30 years later. <laughs> yeah you're like you know what i think it was my brother I or i think it was my uncle i think, I think it was my cousin sherry she's <laughs> She's psycho. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. So, I don't know. Um. So, police have BTK's DNA from the various crime scenes. The police back in the day did a super good job with collecting evidence. That's so, they awesome. had a lot of evidence, surprisingly. They just couldn't put the clues together. Exactly. Um. So, months passed after they received that initial word search, and they've still just got nothing. They got nothing else really to go on. Until police get a call saying that there is an unusual package taped to a stop sign at first in Kansas Street which is strange. Police go to get the package and inside there were several index cards and the first one was titled, quote, death on a cold January morning, end quote. And guess what was written on these index cards? It was a play-by-play of the Otero family murders. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. So now he's leaving these little clues? Like he's like, it's me. Find me. Yeah. It's so weird. And this, this whole catching him thing is completely insane. (laughs) I was getting so sweaty watching it. I was like, they're going to get him. They're going to do it. So police are digging through all the tips and one in particular happens to catch their attention. Police already had a basic profile of the killer. They thought he was extremely smart. Um, Or a fucking idiot. Um, A loner and the eyewitness from the Catherine Bright murder, Kevin, said that he thought the killer was in his 20s, which at this point in time, it is 2004, so he'd be in his 50s at this point. So this one tip that stood out was a man who was a loner in his 50s and had lived with his mother until she passed, until she, until she died. (laughs) That's promising. Until she passed away. Um, So it sounds like a promising lead. So the police go to this man's home. (laughs) This is so crazy. The man opens the door and he's holding a butcher knife as he opens the door. To the police. Yeah. That's not smart. He's holding a butcher knife. And both of the cops are totally weirded out by this. And they tell him to put the knife down. So he does. Like, put that shit down right now before we shoot you. (laughs) Yeah. So he puts the knife down and goes back to the door and he opens it up all the way, walks further into his home, and he doesn't say a word he doesn't say anything creepy (laughs) it's so creepy uh the cops say that the house was dingy and dusty and dark and it took a few minutes for their eyes to adjust and then one of the cops explains to the man that they need a dna sample from him and the other is just kind of scoping out the house whenever the other detective notices several lengths of rope all tied in various knots and they know btk loves his knots yeah he loves his rope and his knots and he's this detective is getting like the heebie-jeebie he's yeah, like I would too he's I like would. oh fuck this is him yeah and they also see a bunch of like engineering books which is the book that the the killer left the yes yeah. so this could totally be their man so the detectives leave the home with his dna in hand and they rush it to the forensics labs and it's not him <laughs> it's not him just Ooh, just probably some other creepy guy that probably is going to murder somebody. Yeah, they day. should probably look into him. If he didn't do this, he probably oh, did something else. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Uh, so the detectives go back to the drawing board. So now these notes and these letters and these packages, they just keep happening. It's, it's ramping up. He, he's like, it's me. He wants to Find get caught. Me. He wants to get caught. He's like, I want credit. Find I me. Know. So now there's a note that was found at the library and it reads as follows. Quote, I have spotted a female, a latchkey kid, just got to work out the details. I'm much older now and have to condition myself carefully. I think fall or winter will be just right for the hit. End quote. So he's now he's telling police what he's going to do. Yeah, he's like, this is what I'm going to do. Catch me if you can. Yeah, and he, he literally thinks that he cannot get caught and that he tells them that he's going to strike again. So now the news station, Cake, gets another letter and they call up the police again. And this one reads, quote, where? Between 69th North and 77th Street North on Seneca Street? Question mark. End quote. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
And this location is a little bit north of Wichita in a rural area. And then another one that says, quote, have you or PD received number seven at Home Depot drop site January 8 of 05? Question mark. End quote. (laughs) So... So BTK is like telling them that there's more of these little packages, just like the first one they found on the back of that stop sign. Just weird. I know. He's it, it, clearly he has way too much time on his hands. He needs a hobby. I guess he's gotten too old for. Like apparently this is his hobby. Yeah. So one of the officers goes to the 69th and 77th Street to see what he can find, and laying against the stop sign was a box of Post Toasties cornflakes. Like, cereal box. A cereal box. Cereal, yeah. Cereal killer. <laughs> so punny. Yeah. Um. So inside this box, this is terrifying. There was a Barbie doll attached to a piece of pipe with a rope. So he was alluding to exactly what he's that first. Well, that first murder. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's so crazy. So meanwhile, an officer goes to Home Depot to see if he can find the other package. And they look and look and they can't find it. And they're afraid that it's been thrown away. But they ask employees if they found anything suspicious. And they get a call later on that night from a man saying that he has found something weird in the bed of his truck. And when he got home, or he found it in the bed of his truck whenever he got home. And it was a cereal box and he'd had it at his house and he'd sat it on the kitchen table. That's creepy. Why didn't he just throw it away? Isn't that weird? I would have just thrown it away. Like, yeah. What the fuck is this like somebody threw trash, trash in my truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so weird. Um, so now we have another note. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we have so many notes. Uh, now this one. This is the one. Oh, I know this one. <laughs> So it's a good thing that the guy didn't throw it away because this is the one that gets him done. Yeah. You done fucked up, A.A. Ron. I know. So the note reads, quote, can I communicate with Floppy and not be traced to a computer? Be honest. (laughs) I will try a Floppy for a test run sometime in the near future, either February or March, end quote. Also, I know that we do have a couple Gen Zers that listen to our podcast. Floppy disks are little square things that were kind of like first trial run at USB drives, I guess. Yeah. And you put uh, you, you put stuff on there, documents, videos, whatever. Yeah. That's what a floppy disk they is. They don't hold much. It's They were like, no. not even a gig, probably. No. They I could hold like so. one file. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's so funny that he put in the note, be honest. Be honest. Don't you lie to me. Yeah, I'm going to take away one of your badges. <laughs> yeah, we're buddies now. You can't be lying. So BTK wanted a response and in this letter he had asked the police to take out a personal ad in the paper and refer to him as rex so police send out this ad saying quote rex it will be okay end quote in reference to sending that floppy disk (laughs) with the p.o box of where to send it to and here we go (laughs) what an idiot uh be honest it's so stupid um so in the meantime Police go back to Home Depot, which Justin always says that's where the pretty people shop. What? <laughs> and Lowe's is like the Walmart of, of uh, uh, what kind of store is that? Home improvement. Home improvement stores. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so they go to Home Depot to see if they can find BTK on camera, placing that cereal box into the bed of this man's truck. So the video was super grainy, of course, but they could make out the vehicle that he was driving. And it was a black Jeep Cherokee. So now they have the car. So they're getting all these notes, letters, they got the car. And this whole time he's like, can we go find me? I know. It's as if he's like stuck in the 70s and doesn't realize that technology has evolved. Yeah, like <laughs> you got older, yeah. so did technology. Yeah. You idiot. I know. And this whole time he's thinking he's untouchable. Yeah, he's and like, you can't get me. He, his car is literally caught on camera. <laughs> <laughs> so two weeks after this um oh no so two weeks after they put that personal ad in the paper a package shows up at the local fox news station uh police hightail it to the station to see what they got inside the package is a card with btk written on it and a purple floppy disc you fucking moron <laughs> Like, I'm glad he's stupid. I'm glad he's stupid. But it's so stupid. It's so dumb. It's it's so ridiculous. So, police take this disc back to the station. They pop it in the computer and wait with bated breath. It pops up on the screen, and there's only one thing on it, and it's a Word file called Test. And, Alex, this is crazy. I got so excited. <laughs> 
because I didn't know any of this. Oh, man. So the software that this was typed on belonged to Christ Lutheran Church. He used the church's <laughs> computer to he make did. his murder disc. He did. And that this document had been printed by a user named Dennis. Da, da, da. <laughs> So, police goog Christ Lutheran Church, comma Dennis, and guess who the fuck Dennis is? He is the president of the church. Churches have presidents? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. And it's Dennis motherfucking Raider. And his big ugly mug is on the front page of the website. Yeah, you done real <laughs> fucked up. Oh my god. At his church. Oh, it's so crazy. So this man, Dennis, is 59 years old. He's balding. His hairstyle and his eyebrows alone are a literal crime. Like, he's so, <laughs> he's so not cute. Oh my god. Um, And he has zero criminal background. Nothing whatsoever. And he was a, or he was actually a compliance officer for the city at one point. And he was married and had a son and daughter. Just uh, your normal, normal average guy. The the pillar of the community. God. So, police get his address at 6220 Independence Drive in Park City, Kansas. And they immediately head to the address. And I was, like, screaming. <laughs> I was like, go get him. Go, go get, get him. him. Go I, was, get I was so excited. Uh, so, they get to the house. And in the driveway, parked in front of a van, was the Jeep Cherokee. They know that this is their man because they saw that Jeep on the camera. Yeah. Like, you're, ah! you're done. Uh, so these detectives they call up their chief and they're like hey this is our guy get everyone here right fucking now because we're going in and then the chief says no what (laughs) the chief's like no don't do that just yet Uh, and all the detectives were super bummed (laughs) they were all like really mad they're like but we want to go i know uh but they need more evidence specifically his dna all right so now police are digging and digging and trying to get everything they can on this man they're trying to find out a way to get his dna without him knowing which i i love it whenever they do shit like this yeah they like stalk and wait for him to like throw away a coffee cup or something yeah i love it um so they learn that dennis's daughter attends kansas state and at Kansas State, female students can get, like, free lady exams. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I guess it's a pap thing. I don't know. So they're thinking maybe she had a test done where she gave DNA. Because the familial match would totally be enough evidence to it's, get him. Yeah. Yeah. So they get her DNA from the test. They send it off and hot dog, it's a match. Oh. <laughs> Isn't that so wild? Although, like you said, why couldn't they have just followed him and gotten like a coffee, coffee cup, cup or, or like water McDonald's? Bottle, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a fun way to uh, match. So now they know that. Oh, you know what would have been better? What? If they went to church when they were doing like the. the where communion. They, communion, where they break the bread and drink the wine, <laughs> aka grape juice. Yeah. And they could have just stolen those and then. Yes. That would have been, been great. That would have been great. Hey, that, police this was back a mo- then. If this was a movie. <laughs> That's what should happen. Yeah. Oh, man. So now they know that Dennis Lynn Raider is, in fact, BTK. Dennis Lynn. That's such a foul name. I hate his name. He's foul. I hate him. Oh, man. So detectives are pumped. They are so ready to just nail this guy. But the chief pumps the brakes and he says he wants SWAT to go in and arrest him instead of them. And the detectives are like, nah. Nah. (laughs) They're like, we solved this. We're going to fucking do this and you cannot try to stop us again yes this is, this is our catch <laughs> yeah oh man so chief gives in and tells his detectives to go get their man go get him go get him <laughs> go fuck his ass up i know so it's february 25th 2005 and detectives head to dennis's house while he's at work a little afternoon because they've been following him and they know that he goes home for lunch every day <laughs> So now they're they're using his own techniques on him. On him. Yeah, which is fun. So all the detectives line their cars up along a side street and sit and wait for Dennis to drive home from that damn office. And I would I would have been so impatient. I would have just mur- been like staring. I would have murdered or I wouldn't have murdered. Fuck. I would have arrested him at his office. I know. I, I don't know why they didn't just do that. I guess this is more dramatic for dramatic effect. Okay. So they're getting well, I don't know if they're impatient. I'm impatient. So they have an eye in the sky giving him the play-by-play on where Dennis is. So he's driving home and they finally have their man. I love it so much. So they finally arrest Dennis and whenever he's cuffed, he asks them if they would let his wife know 
know that he wouldn't be coming home for lunch. <laughs> no. No. Uh, it's like, can you just let her know I won't be there? Like, oh, it's so crazy. <laughs> so a detective asked Dennis if he knew why he was being taken into custody. And Dennis says, quote, I think I have an idea. Oh, do End you? quote. <laughs> god there's no denying it now so dennis is brought to the station to be questioned and dennis is playing stupid at first of course then the detectives drop the floppy disk on the table they don't say anything they just just drop drop it it. on the table (laughs) which is a badass move Uh, and then they tell them that they have a dna match from his daughter and then he just straight up admits to being btk then after he says this he is a freaking chatterbox like he's going on and on and on and he wants credit exactly and and all that stuff yeah he spills everything and shows zero remorse for murdering 10 people 10 including two children yeah and some poor old ladies I know. Oh, my God. So while on trial, Dennis recounts all of the murders in horrifying detail, and he's talking about them as if he's talking about what he did over the weekend. It's so crazy. They're just his side projects. Yeah. And these happened 30 years ago, and he knows in extreme detail everything that he's done. He loves it. He thinks about it all the time. Yeah, he loves it. He's so, like, egotistical and narcissistic, and it's disgusting, and he's a literal monster. So, uh, so while in prison, he has this psychiatrist, Dr. Catherine Ramsland, and he actually corresponds with her for over the course of five years. And he wanted people to understand how dark his mind was and that he, quote, lived a normal life, but had a dark mind, end quote, and that he was a good guy. He just did some bad things. No, you're not a good guy. No, he he's delusional. So Dennis was 28 whenever he started his killing spree and whenever he murdered the Otero family, which is wild. And he lived in Wichita his entire life other than from 1966 to 1970 whenever he was in the Air Force. I feel like there... We've had a couple of them where they're in the Air in the, Force. Yeah, or in the military of mm-hmm. some sort. Also, over the course of their chats, he'd sent Dr. Ramsland a list of 55 different potential projects that he had planned but did not execute. Poor Dr. Ramsland. I know. Although she's in, she was in a lot of the documentaries I watched. Um, she's a badass. Mm-hmm. I like her. She's she's. Cool. He also corresponded with a professor at uh, I want to say a university in like Pennsylvania. Oh. But the um, you know the guy from I think it's the Idaho serial killer or not serial killer but the guy that murdered the four Idaho college kids. Oh, re- the recent one. Yeah, the recent one. Okay. Yeah. He supposedly looks up to be TK. That's his hero. And one of the I think one of his criminology professors worked very closely with btk to like understand his mind and all that good yeah stuff. so oh mm-hmm. it was like a criminology professor yeah oh interesting mm-hmm. oh. and it's supposedly btk may have actually corresponded with kohlberger really mm-hmm. whoa yeah we gotta dig into that yeah damn that would be wild mm-hmm. huh like you were just writing him in prison mm-hmm. damn that's fucked up supposedly they haven't proved it yet yeah Oh, shit. Okay. Okay. So also in these chats with Dr. Ramsland, he disclosed that he'd grown up with a good family, was close to his mother, and actually really loved and looked up to his father, which is weird for a serial killer. Mm -hmm. They'd grown up on farms and that he had always fantasized about having his own, quote, murder silo. What? As a child. And he had actually drawn up sketches of all of these torture devices that he would build inside of this silo. And he called it the silo of terror. And he's a child whenever yeah whenever he's making these things up and there was a wheel of death a train with railroad tracks to tie people to and he thought all of this up whenever he was in elementary school how did no one if he he probably carried around a binder which we'll learn later he has lots of binders he loves a good binder um how did no one notice this thought it was strange or sent him to like a psychiatrist yeah or be like why are you drawing these things Uh, i don't know so dennis says that he first got the idea of binding victims up with rope torturing them and murdering them whenever he was 14 and he says that whenever he was getting a ride to school from one of his parents friends daughters she had the radio on and there was a report of the clutter family murders on which we'll have to cover that one too yeah that one i know that one's wild um and he says that he was fascinated by the horrific details of them using rope and the murders and oh my god like he was literally inspired by these murders at the age of 14 (sighs) That's not, that's not how you want to, you know, aspire. Yeah. And... 
Like, I guess he just kept all this in. How did no one notice? No one. And then he went on and got married and had two kids. Boys will be boys. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's just Dennis being Dennis. That's just boy doing boy things, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um, And that he had also taken a radio from the Otero family home, just as the murderers of the Clutter family had done years earlier. So, he was emulating these people. So, Dennis goes on to say that his life of crime started after he got fired from his dream job building aircrafts at Cessna, which was after he got back from the Air Force and after he was already married. So basically he's all butthurt because he got fired from Cessna. Yeah, he was mad at the system and he thought that breaking the law felt like he was getting some sort of revenge and power. So he started out with breaking into homes and then it just escalated from there. After he lost his job at Cessna, he briefly worked for Coleman, the outdoor camping people, Mm -hmm. um, on the assembly line. But after that, he worked for the ADT Security System Company. That's not who I want protecting my home. No. And here, or at this job, he installed security systems in people's homes from 1974 to 1988. He was literally installing these systems into people's homes who were afraid of him. Yeah, they were only buying these systems because of him. Because of him. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I have a crazy thing for this. Well, it's not crazy. It's funny. You're going to laugh. Oh, okay. So there's an episode of Criminal Minds. there is that's based Uh, on dennis raider and it's basically this guy in uh philadelphia who was like killing and torturing women and binding their throats with rope yeah and he eventually changes his tactics and starts instead of tying their hands together he takes like um those plastic cuffs yeah that cops have oh yeah yeah and we're like slipping them with that because he didn't have the strength in his arms anymore to tie the knots for the ropes because he'd been in a car accident and it delayed him murdering people for like a couple decades and then he started again oh interesting Mm -hmm. i do tv i know (laughs) i love it whenever i know what crime it's based on Mm -hmm. like i was listening i was watching that one and i was like oh this is btk (laughs) yeah Oh, man. So, yeah. So, he's literally installing these security systems into people's homes who are afraid of him. Terrified of him. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure he loved. Yeah. He was probably, like, eating that shit up because I'm sure people were... The people that he's installing for are talking to him about About him. About him and why they're getting the security (laughs) system and how safe they feel now. I know. Oh, it's so fucked up. So, Dennis goes on to say that he was motivated by the X Factor. Or, nope. Factor X. Not the X Factor. What is Factor X? I don't fucking know it. He says it's an overall drive to release his sexual fantasies and how he has zero control over it. Really? Because you stopped for like a decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, sure did. Uh, so after, or no, also after his arrest, police found a stash of Polaroids hidden away that seemed as if he'd killed male victims as well. <laughs> And after being questioned, Dennis said, oh, well, that's me in the pictures. He was taking pictures of himself? Yes. Oh, okay. That's that's disgusting. (laughs) These pictures are horrific. They're horrifying. So yeah, he says, well, that's me. So Dennis had taken several photos of himself in compromising situations, like tied up to a tree or tied up to a bed, laying in a bed. And he had this terrifying mask on. It's like white and it's, I'll have to show you pictures. It's really creepy. It's so weird. And a wig. And he was essentially playing the victim in these photos. So he says that this would take away the urge to want to kill by looking at these photos of himself in these weird situations. That's just weird. (laughs) It's so weird. Uh, And police also found an entire filing cabinet of typed letters, various newspaper clippings, magazine clippings, all in binders. And BTK would carry these binders around with him all the time. And he would have them like whenever he was driving or out on the road. So he had all these fantasies of these people in these pictures and newspaper clippings. And it's nobody ever accidentally opened one of these and was like, I know. Why do you have this? Yeah. And one of the things I watched, they actually showed some of the things that were in there. And it was just, it was so creepy. It was so weird. He's just twisted and sick. And I hate it. Um, He also goes on to say that whenever he was a child, this is weird. Like, this is his first, like, I don't know, his first fantasy, I guess. So whenever he was a child, his mother was vacuuming and she had moved the couch. And whenever she moved it, she got her ring caught in the fabric of the couch. And he saw the terror on her face of being, quote caught and he got a sick sexual pleasure from it from his mother yes 
and that this also triggered his sick fantasies. Dennis was also frequently spanked as a child and also got sexual enjoyment out of that. Uh, uh. Yeah, and... He referred. This is my, first, this is my favorite part. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. You texted me. You're like, make sure you put this in here because mm-hmm. it's so gross. So he referred to this feeling as, quote, sparky big time, which is foul. It's nasty. So gross. So nasty. He called his wiener sparky. And then the act of uh, 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 <laughs> sparky big time. I don't understand. That's so gross. Oh, I hate it. So, Dr. Ramsland. She's also an author and has written several books. And all of the profits from the books that she writes actually go to the murder victims' families in a trust, which I thought was pretty cool. That's really big of her. I like that. Yeah, she's she's great. I like her. So, um, his court-appointed psychiatrist, Robert Mendoza, stated that Dennis had an overinflated sense of self, and he thought that he was special and deserved mm-hmm. special attention, and that he had a pathological need for attention and admiration and had a complete lack of empathy he just got the nail right on the head yeah he doesn't care he doesn't care that he murdered 10 people he just wants the recognition for it he cares about himself yes dennis is all about dennis Uh, so in addition to working at the church uh, remember he was also a cub scout leader and then that's whenever he committed his last two murders whenever he was out with the boy scouts Mm -hmm. so church scouts he's a father he just seems like a normal dude and he's so not um so dennis started his family in 1975 which was two years before he murdered shirley who had the child that was trapped in the bathroom Yeah. yeah um he had no remorse for taking the mother away from these children and he had just had a child himself like you you just had a baby. Your baby's probably the same age as like as, some uh, yeah. Kids, yeah. I know. And he had also had a child in 1979, which is why that break happened from 79 to 85. And in this time frame, he was traveling a lot and would bring that suitcase with all of his stuff for his pictures and his Oh, so that's what he was doing instead of murdering. Yes. He w- it was so weird and he had the masks and the ropes and his twice wife didn't know about <laughs> twice he did this at home and was caught by his wife two times i could not imagine whitney coming home and catching me doing that she would be mortified i would be like um i don't think this is working out anymore she'd be like uh yeah maybe um you should go get some therapy oh my god um, so he also stated that he tried to take his own life with a 357 and chickened out He stated that he was worried about getting... This is so annoying. He says that he was worried about getting to the afterlife and meeting his grandparents and wondering what they would think of him as a person. Uh, they would think you're nasty. They would think you're disgusting, Dennis. I mean, what does it matter if you died then or you died 10 years from now? You're disgusting, You're still disgusting. (laughs) And that's what everyone in the afterlife is going to think about you. If that were a thing, but it's not, so... (laughs) No need to worry about that. Dennis, I hope you're reincarnated as a mosquito and I get to squish you. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. So on June 27th, 2005, Dennis pled guilty and all of the families of the victims, um, they got to tell Dennis how he basically ruined their entire lives and what a big, gigantic piece of shit he is. I love victim impact statements. They should happen all the time. I know. Yeah. Oh man. So sad. So on July 26, 2005, his wife was granted an emergency divorce after Dennis was arrested. (laughs) It only took like five minutes and they were like, okay, you're good. You're done. There we go. That's awesome. (laughs) I know. Good job. That's pretty impressive. Um, So on August 18th, 2005, Dennis was charged with 10 counts of first degree murder and sentenced to a minimum of 175 years in prison for his horrific murder spree. And he's currently serving time at El Dorado Correctional Facility in Wichita. At the time of his arrest, there was no death penalty, um, or else I'm sure he would have yeah, definitely, definitely gotten that. that. Um, and also to this day, he can't, he's still mad. <laughs> he's still mad that the police lied to him about the whole floppy disk thing. <laughs> oh my God, how could you? I, I asked you not to lie to me and you did anyway. I know, I can't believe you lied to me. Oh man, so he murdered 10 people, intended on taking the lives of many more, and his family had no idea, which is tragic and crazy and insane. I don't understand. His poor family. I know, and he just, he didn't fit the mold or stereotypes for the average serial killer um and he's still alive to this day at the age of 78 years old well i hope you die a slow and painful death from like prostate cancer or something yeah i uh, so that's that on that isn't that crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> so wild and how he got caught it was just so insane so stupid oh man so 
I have a few more notes here, and these are going to replace our, our fun fact section. Cool. Um, so these are kind of... You didn't want to do fun facts on uh, Boy Scouts? I didn't. <laughs> I was like, I think Boy Scouts are problematic. Um, I don't think I'm going to talk about them. Like, I'm good. Yeah. Um, so these are just some extra little tidbits that I didn't really know where to put in here. So, a few days before that floppy disk was sent, BTK actually took a tour of the news station with his local church group at Cake TV. That's nasty. The people that he's been corresponding with. He's probably <laughs> eating that shit up. <laughs> yeah. And he organized this tour himself. So they go and he's listening and they're doing a live recording and the news reporters are reporting on him. Oh, he he probably had a sparky big time. <laughs> probably did oh my god he probably had to excuse himself to go to the bathroom yeah it's so creepy and of course they didn't know that this was him at the time no, but it was just a normal dude with his church yeah and one of the former news anchors says that btk probably felt comfortable with cake tv news station a because he'd been corresponding with them and b because as a child he would often visit this news station and <laughs> His parents would take him up there whenever they did, like, various kid activities. Yeah. So, like, one time they brought um, Rin Tin Tin up there and he met the dog. And then he was on several children's TV shows that were taped there. Weird. As a child. That's yeah. I know. <laughs> so I guess that's why he picked them. I guess so. Um. Okay. So, in uh, Father's Day, or no, Father, in honor of felonious fathers, we're going to move on to BTK's daughter, Carrie Rawson. Can you imagine being the daughter of a serial killer? I would change my name. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would not associate myself with him at all. No, I would get an entire new identity. She hates him. She hates him. Yeah. Um, and so... So about two years after her father's arrest, Carrie and her husband decided they wanted to start a family, which I'm sure was a super difficult decision to make, knowing that your father is completely insane. Yeah, just deranged. Yeah. Oh, and Carrie had gotten married to her husband, Darian, in 2003, which was two years prior to BTK's arrest. And there's video of him, like, walking her down the aisle. Like, uh, uh, it's so creepy. I would... No. It's so creepy. They're just doing like normal wedding shit. It's crazy. But anyway, two years after they, they decide to start their family and Carrie is struggling with writing and telling her father because she kept thinking about how her own mother was pregnant with her whenever BTK had murdered Nancy Joe Fox. Her mother was literally pregnant while he went and murdered, murdered Nancy. Somebody. Yeah. Yes. Um, and this whole situation's just, it really messes with her. And after her daughter was born, she had some really horrible postpartum and anxiety and depression and PTSD, which who wouldn't yeah who wouldn't and that whenever her daughter was around five she started asking why she only had one grandpa and asking where the other one is you know like normal kid shit um but she didn't really know how to tell her like how do you tell like oh grandpa's in jail because he, he <sighs> killed some children and their families yeah we don't want him to do that to you i know but whenever her children are, are around 10 and 7 carrie and darian slowly started explaining that carrie's father is in prison and that he's never getting out in this life or the next 176 years um which is such a heartbreaking situation to be in but carrie has since written a book that was released january 29th 2019 named a serial killer's daughter my story of faith love and overcoming and in this book she dedicates it to her children so that one day whenever they're old enough she can just hand them this book and try and help them understand like what she went through as a child yeah and why they don't have grandpa yes because well i mean it's better for her to tell them rather than them like find out at like school or from like kids or something exactly like that. yeah so carrie tried to maintain somewhat of a relationship with her father but in 2021 carrie totally cut ties with him and he had started cyber stalking her and using people like that were not in prison to like put her on blast basically what a piece of shit yeah like, your daughter i know so it, yeah so she filed a no contact order against him after that and then little is known about brian raider which is his son um he went into the navy and whenever he learned that his father was a serial killer and it, he just chose to stay under the radar good for you yeah he doesn't have a wife he doesn't have kids he's just trying to get by basically oh man so that's that's that on that sparky holy big time. shit sparky big time <laughs> 
don't understand. That's so nasty. It's disgusting. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, so that was crazy. Nasty. I don't like him. And I really, honestly, I didn't really like writing those notes. <laughs> I wasn't really into you it. You hate those ones. <laughs> I know. I wasn't a big fan of him. Scar is more into like when like uh, like the ones that you see like on forensic files, <laughs> yeah. those stories. Yeah. Those are a little easier for her to process. Yes. I usually do the nasty ones. Yeah. It was really gross. And I could have, there's so much more information. I know that wasn't even half of it. No. Um, but there's, there's a lot out there on him. So he's too much. He is too much. Um, not a fan. Tatum. You guys will get this one and then a special one next week. Yes. Still working on it. It's a doozy. It's a lot. I I gave Scarlett (laughs) a lot of work to do. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, but it's fun. It's going to be good. Um, well, oh, before we go, follow us on Instagram. Yeah. At hashtag murder pod. Spell out all of it. Yeah. Yeah. follow us give us special requests i always post memes i like when you guys um also comment on the the episodes whenever you listen on spotify so you guys should keep doing those and yeah. tell us what you like yeah and if you like this um give us five stars share it to all your friends yeah we really um appreciate it and write a review mm-hmm. on um i don't think you can review on spotify is it apple apple okay yeah um so yeah that really helps us out we'd appreciate it and now i have to go to work and um, I'm gonna go take George out. Yay! Yay! He's not in here. Oh, he's not in here. I was like, where'd he go? He's with uh, he's with Whitney. Oh, all right. Well, thanks for hanging out. Love, Love you. Bye. bye. Sparky, Sparky Victor. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> oh, nailed it. Oh man. Woo! Sparky big time. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Murder. Episodes are written and edited by Alex Lewis and Scarlett Hipton. Our intro and outro music is written and played by Derek Branton. Our cover art is by the lovely Lauren Walker. And our name was created by the most wonderful, supportive, and super hot boyfriend, Dustin Branton. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, you can reach us at hashtag murderpod at gmail.com. That's H-A-S-H-T-A-G murderpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell all of your friends about us. Thanks. Bye. He'd sent Dr. Ramsen, Dr. (laughs) Oh, Doc's awake. (laughs) Shake, shake, shake. Uh, Hi, Duck. Hello. Named a serial daughter's... Nope. Named a serial... (laughs) (laughs) You okay, George? Want some water? You want some water? Yeah. Let's go get some water. Come on, baby. You want a drinky? Katniss, you see your mama? (laughs) Okay. Go get drinky. Katniss, go back to sleep. Don't look at me like that. (laughs) A cinder clock. A cinder clock. I wrote clock. Cindercock. Uh, <laughs> oh, God damn it. Um, let me just start that one over. Um, I gotta pee. Okay, one moment. Hi, George. How we feeling? Hi, Bobby. Oh, here. Don't rest your face on that. That's hard. Don't know, Bob. Oh, good baby. You wanna get back in your bed? You wanna get in the bed? You wanna come out here? You want to get back in your bed? You want to come here? He doesn't know what he wants. He don't know what you want. You want to get up on the bed? <gasps> yeah. With your sister? There you go. Yay. There you go. You chill out, Katniss. <laughs> Her face. She just looks pissed all the time. Except when she's eating. Yeah. It's her only happy place. It's her only solace. Okay. Kitty Katniss. Uh-huh. You good in there, little duck goblin? <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Um, oh, shit. What were you doing? <laughs> the way she just looked at you with her mouth open. <laughs> what are you doing, you little crackhead? Oh, my God. That's really funny. She's acting like a methany this morning. <laughs> she had the zoomies right before you came over, and she was just, like, <laughs> bouncing all over the living room furniture. Uh, now, methany. Now, Anthony. <laughs> oh my God. Spicy ass. Oh, Katniss.